Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Ian Staples. Hi Staples, how's it going? Hi Kieran, very well, thank you very much. Lovely to see you, bud. How are you doing during this... We just had a chat before we started. (laughs) Yeah, in this crazy time. I mean, it's... Uh, it's been tough, hasn't it? I mean, you know, um, it has been a bit weird. Um, lockdown one was fantastic, but um, the sequel was a bit boring, wasn't it? The, the Christmas lockdown was a bit severe, I felt. You know, as any sequels, they're always worse than the first. Sequels are never as good as the first. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do but, you... um, yeah, it's good. Now everything is sort of opening up a bit more in Cardiff, so it's it's really, really lovely to see so many... Um, people out and about, you know. And what's what's refreshing actually is that um, you're seeing so many people, mm. whereas a few weeks ago you'd see no one. So it's it's yeah. everybody's actually listened and and done lockdown really well. I feel that that was always going to be the danger, was it? Whether people were going to listen and stick to the rules, but I think people have, and I think yeah. that's going to make the difference. Yeah, we all have, yeah, And, like, in terms of how you're feeling about coming out of lockdown, are you feeling ready to go back to the classroom, for example? Because I know that you're, you lectured me in uni and you're still a lecturer at the University of South Wales. Yeah, I can't wait, mate. Honestly, I really can't wait to get back into the classroom. It's been a bit of a... Um, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a struggle, really, teaching acting online, you know, when you're so used to being in a class and sort of getting people to move and use their bodies yeah. and be very haptic about stuff. It's, it's um, yeah, so being stuck to um, your desk and staring into a little green light on top of computer, <laughs> it's really nice and be lo- lovely to get back. And you were saying that you can't see the students on the other side. It's not like a seminar, so... Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, a few of them have decided not to switch their cameras on, you right. know, for various reasons. But um, as a as an educator, it's really tough because, you know, as in a just teaching through a screen, you're 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 not picking up on probably like what. 80% of, of the physical kind of messages that you'd receive in a classroom, mm. you know, but when people are switching their cameras off, there's zero, and, it, and it's like sort of shouting into the void sometimes. Oh. So, like, what I, the way I always start these podcasts is by asking um, the guest, in this case you, how did you first get interested in theatre, and what were your kind of early experiences of the arts like? Um, God, I mean, as I guess as a Welsh speaker, my 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 first um, experience was the Eisteddfod, you know, um, of performance and uh, singing and dancing and and acting. You know, it, you know yourself what the air of it's like. It's just yeah. a fantastic celebration of 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 culture and 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 talent. You know, so that was essentially my first experience of theatre and we did loads and loads and loads of performances in school you know um, mm. yeah we had A-level drama O-level drama so there are practicals to be acted in and oh it was great it was fantastic 
and outside of school were you involved in new theatres or anything like that? Uh, no, I wasn't, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's something I really greatly regret, you know. I, to, but to be honest with you, we were so busy in school, we'd be performing something nearly every night, so there didn't seem to be much time. Wow. And, and when did you kind of think of it as something like, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to um, career in? Oh, God, I, I think probably, like, my mid-teens, certainly 14, 15, um, and then 16, when I kind of, yeah, it, it was definitely on the cards, you know? I mean, I, I always wanted to be a writer. Right. I mean, I, I know we've had this conversation many times, you know, about me telling you about um, my two favourite writers, Joe Wharton and and um, and Arthur Miller, you know, and yeah. Joe Wharton had this really quite debauched lifestyle, you know, in London in the 60s, <laughs> you know, he was, a, he was a gay man who was just kind of like loving life, and then Arthur Miller married the most beautiful woman in the world when yeah. he married Martha Monroe, so I thought, God, if that's what it means to be a writer, I want some of that. <laughs> And how did it, was writing something that you've always done? Like, yes, it is, yeah, yeah, always, always, always. And was it, did it, I'm guessing it didn't start off as plays, or so how did you start writing stories, or like? Um, well, to be honest, when I, when I was in school in Fredvalen, there, there was a huge uh, emphasis on drama, you right. know? Um, so... I did write plays quite early on, um, yeah, and you know, like I said, the, those two playwrights that I, I mentioned, they were like a big influence on me as mm. well, you know, so I was always trying to write stuff, write plays, I started off really writing scenes and kind of seeing yes. how those went, um, but then I entered the, uh, going back to the but I entered the Vedal drama and I went, and one year I came um, I won and I came second as well, so I was I was kind of, you know, that that was my path set out. I think. And like, did were there many opportunities for you to go to the theatre to see live performance? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I the, the Sherman Theatre back in the day did this. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. The Sherman Theatre back in the day did this fantastic um, youth card. You know that that guaranteed you money off performances and cinema visits, and um, so I go down to the Sherman probably twice a week. You know and watch whatever was on, um, be it dance, be it theatre, uh, be it film, and of course there was chapter down the road as well, um, which was far more experimental, right. and I, I thought a little bit weird, but you know <laughs> it was just, it was just fantastic, it was just great, great. Um, experiences and great theatrical experiences you know because you go to the Sherman and get straight plays if you want yeah you know with dialogue and actors and people standing up and arguing and doing stuff and then you'd go to chapter and you'd see something like brief gove or, or companies mm. from from poland or czechoslovakia that were just doing um just mad mad theatrical stuff you know that just kind of blew my mind really and were you more interested in that experimental stuff? Did you want to experiment? Um, I kind of no, not not really. I was I was always because I wanted to be a writer. I always thought the text was important, so I was always yeah. kind of drawn to um to like um what my students call them proper plays, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> um, you know, just, just text based theatre. That's that's what was my milieu. So that's right. what I kind of stuck with, really. And you studied uh, drama at Aberystwyth? Yes, I did, yeah. What was that like? And how did it prepare you for a career in, in um, the arts? Yeah, yeah, Aberystwyth is a fantastic place. Um, there was um, a Kiwi friend of mine who, who described it as a pub with lots of corridors. <laughs> so just to give you um, a brief... Um, outline of what my life in Aberystwyth was like. I see. Um, you know, um, it was lots of partying, um, but on the serious side, we, we um, as a collective within the sort of theatre degree, you know, we were really quite active. We would um, read plays, produce plays every week. We'd do script in hand um, play mm. readings probably every week, you know. And the staff were... Um, 
always supportive. They would, they'd never kind of go, oh, don't do that because it's going to make a mess up your assessment. Yeah. They go, yeah, go for it because you know that'll kind of feed into your acting assessment or your directing assessment. And you know, the more that you do, the more that you practice. You know, the more mistakes that you make. So it, you 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 learn through doing. You know, it, it was it was a fantastic fantastic time to be honest. And you started making your own work at university. Yeah? Yes, I did. Yeah, again, writing scenes, writing plays, um, um, but mostly it, it was set texts. You know, right. there was a fantastic. Um, uh, there still is a fantastic lecturer there called uh, Doctor uh, David Ian Raby, who did um, a course in British and Irish drama, and um, it went from um, from it started with. Um, look back in anger, right. and the most recent play was the one that came out yesterday. You know, it, it was it was oh, that really was kind that. of modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and American drama as well. I was a big fan of Sam Shepard and Edward Albee, and um, you know, feeding from my half a million days, I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, you'd, you'd be surrounded by like all of these different play texts, you know, and you'd be reading probably two or three different plays um if you're doing shakespeare reading shakespeare reading american drama you know everything yeah. um french classical drama spanish stuff um so it was just this this, this this massive tsunami of of um of plays that you know you were just exposed to so obviously we'd just kind of pick one and just do it <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and that really was yeah. the ethos of, of um of the course, you know, you just find something, you just do it, you don't wait for permission, you just did it. Uh, and that experience of putting something on, and was there a sort of element of you can fail here, so that you oh. don't fail when you graduate? Well, you know, they always say fear is a big teacher, and it? it's the best mm. teacher ever, you know, and um, I've failed a lot. It's, it's, been, it's been great, absolutely. I, I wouldn't... I don't regret anything, really. Or maybe I do, but we might talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how did the course prepare you for a career in the arts? I think just through what I what I said, you know, mm. um, just doing, 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 doing stuff. You know, um, I think probably by the time I left, I directed probably about ten plays. You know, by the time I'd, I'd walked out of the of the university. Um, I'd been in God knows how many plays, you know, and, and I'd written a couple as well. So, um, yeah, it was just about the ethos of, of making and creating. And, and we didn't stop, you know, we didn't stop except for beers. Mm. <laughs> of course, it's unique. <laughs> and, like, what were the challenges for you then when you graduated? What was that like? Well, when I when I graduated, yeah, um, was it difficult to break into the industry? Oh God, do you know? Do you know what? I was really, really lucky. Okay, I was really lucky because um, I got a job. I finished in when June. Sat my final exams in June, and I got a job offer um, with a company called Theatre Vranwen, who are still yeah. going. Actually, I'm um, working with them at the moment. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um I'm a young writer's game. Gethin is on them at the moment. Because Gethin's great, isn't he? I love, fan- I love working with Gethin, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's okay. a great bloke. Um, you know, um Fran Wen was based in Harlech when I um when I graduated and I went up there and did a theatre and education play um as an actor. Um not as a writer or a director, I just sort of acted in it. Um and then that sort of kicked off um, um, a series of job offers, really. You right. know, the, the, where where I went from um, theatre and education company to theatre in education company. So I worked with Vranwen, I worked with Cloyd, I worked with Spectacle, I worked with Powys. You know, so I kind of did um, probably about three years of touring throughout Wales. Was this at the time when every county in Wales had a TIE company? It, yes, like, it was, yeah. Wales was like a hotbed of theatre and education. 
absolutely was. It was vital, you know, it was really important because it was giving um, people and pupils their first theatrical experience. You know, whereas I was really used to walking through the doors of the Sherman or, you know, or Chapter. Yeah. You know, um, other people wouldn't even think that they could walk into a theatre. They wouldn't know what to do, you know. So actually taking that experience into schools and showing them um, uh, something was, was just really invaluable. Well, is it almost that giving them the permission of this is a world that you can be part of this yeah, is yeah, what theatre yeah. is you know it's like if, if you've harboured uh, ambitions to become an artist then look here we are you know this, this is this is a really accessible art form to mm. you and, and how much do you think has been lost because of the loss of these regionally based TA companies um, oh God, I, th- I, th- I think loads you know loads has been lost um the TIE companies are still going, but the, uh, the, I think that they're vastly um, underfunded. You know, yeah. um, they, they all kind of slipped into like private um, financial models as well. But you know, as you know, Fran Wen is still successful. Um, Theatre uh, West um, Gorlaun Marganog yeah. now becoming Nanorg. You know, they're still quite successful, um, and. There are some private companies as well who are out there doing some theatre and education work, you know? It's still there, but maybe not the scale it was 20 years ago. I think it's on a different scale, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's still work happening, you know, um, and some really, really fantastic work is still happening. Yeah, it just seems to be on a different, I don't know, on a different footing, Mm. I think, really. So your first experience of professional theatre, if I'm right, was your self-produced piece by David Ickers. Yeah, yeah. So it was self-produced. I'm guessing, I've written, was it a choice or a necessity? I'm guessing it wasn't a choice to self-produce the piece. Um, yes, it was. Right. <laughs> I, um, I had a friend... Um, called Ian Rowlands, who was writing at the same time and had started his company, um, Theatre Abid, um, at the same time, you know. So so. Uh, what was really appealing about that was the, the creative control mm-hmm. that you still had, you know. Um, there was nobody who would say, oh, God, don't write that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you could write whatever you wanted. So, yeah, and um, it was... Because I'd segued from my ambition to become a writer by, by acting and kind of paying the mortgage, essentially, yeah. for those three years. I just really wanted to go back mm. to, um, to writing. So I, I, I finished a play, um, I, um, got a grant from the Arts Council, and then um, got actors, stage crew, and off we went, really. We kind of toured it around uh, Wales. But I think what, what that managed to do was... Um, was to get people to notice that I was writing as well. And what what skills did you kind of gain through doing it, through self-producing um, and touring the piece? Oh, God, there loads, absolutely loads. You know, there's from administrative skills to creative skills. You know, all of those kind of came into play um, by just producing by the ridiculous, really. And I did, and, and it worked, you know, it it worked because I got commissions right. uh, that, from Spectacle Theatre, from um, Theatre Powys, and then from the Sherman Theatre, so it, it kind of served its purpose really, really well, you know. So it got your name out there, really, as a writer, and got you known yeah. within the industry of Wales as yeah. a writer. And, and did you enjoy elements of that self-production stuff? Yeah, it, I did. Yeah, um, you know, it was, um, it was new, you know, because because I'd always been this kind of creative person who just sat down and do stuff and, and just wrote, yeah, you know, ad- um, you know, just off the top of my head, just kind of sit down and write something. And um, what this demanded was a different skill set, which was um, which kind of made me a little bit more serious. Because you know, I had to apply for 
money. I had to pay people's wages. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all of that kind of stuff. Serious big boy stuff, you know, that I had to kind of um, uh, get. Uh, and this, yeah. is, this isn't a criticism of you necessarily, but I certainly didn't learn in you how to apply for Arts Council money, how to get that and know what that process is. And I'm guessing yeah, you yeah. denied it. No, 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 I didn't know anything about it. I just went through um, a form filling exercise and, um, had, you know, harking back to Ian, um, he had an administrator that was a big help to me. There was, I, I also kind of worked with a, another company called Dalia Salu. Right. Um, they served as an umbrella company and kind of um, with Beth and Jones and my, you know, they, they kind of helped me a lot with the form filling, you know, so I, I was great. Uh, you learned on the job, I think. That, on, on the job training, I think. That's uh, that's what they call it these days. Do you think we need more of that? Um, I don't know. I, I, I sound like an old-fashioned gammon if I say that, don't I? Yes, we need more on-the-job training. Um, it's, it's, it's a different... It's a totally different um, ecosystem out there now. disappeared um, but there are different ways to make your name I think uh, mm. these days you know I keep telling my, my current students you know that, that um, I keep showing them their iPhones and, and telling them look you've got a film studio in your hand yeah. literally um, all you need to do is, is is write something decent and you can make it now, you know? yeah that's, that's so true uh, I'm going to move on slightly uh, so you uh, were the writer and creator of Cadiz for Fiction Factory and SLC. So I'm interested in the pitching and commissioning process. How did that kind of work with SLC? How did it go yeah, from I mean, an idea? I'm going to have to sidestep this question a little bit because um, I was approached by a production company. Right. Um, so they'd already pitched the idea to SOC um, and I was brought in as, as, as writer, you know. So you, so were, you were writing someone else's idea? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. What, what was that like? Um, yeah, it was a bit strange because it, 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 it was actually um, an adaptation of a series that already existed called The Big Bow Wow. Right. Um, um, from Ireland um, my understanding was that S. Pederek bought the rights to the Big Bow Wow and were looking to adapt it into a, into a Welsh setting into, into Cardiff you know. Mm. so we kind of set to it we already had this stock of scripts and stock of characters and like what we did then was just kind of work on and decide uh, what worked in Cardiff because there, there was certain yeah. specific stuff that didn't really kind of chime um with us it, it certainly worked in dublin but not in not in cardiff you know and how much of the storylines did you change apart from like recontextualizing yeah yeah we changed quite a bit really that was my uh, memory of it we changed quite a lot of it um i've not seen big bow wow so i haven't um right you know so i wouldn't know but obviously you know Cadiz and then um went on for seven series you know I kind mm. of I bowed out after or midway through series two because I wanted to do something else I'd been writing quite um I'd been writing for about 10 years by then so I was, I was a bit knackered and uh, how did you find the difference between writing for telly and writing for theatre uh, um the process is different um it, it's far more um, systematic, I guess, writing for telly than writing for theatre. Theatre, um, I always wrote a draft of something and then kind of kicked that draft around with people, whereas with television, you know, you kind of start in a different way. You write um, uh, series outlines and series bibles and then you work yeah. from there, you know, and, and character outlines. Stuff that I'd never done on 
um, mm. in theatre, because in theatre writing it was more about, about what do I want to say. Did you feel that your voice as a writer was more, what was less important in television? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, um, I, I guess that's just the way it is, you know, that, that's, how, that's how it works, really. Sorry, that's my, um, that's my phone telling me something. Um, <laughs> sorry, where was I? In terms of, like, the writer's voice in television. Yeah, I mean, certainly I felt that, um, you know, my voice or my personality that I was kind of expressing as a theatre writer took a back seat, you know? I, I think basically because because television is more of a producer's medium, you know, it's, it's, it's an old cliche, is that film is a, is a director's medium, television yeah. is a producer's medium, and, and theatre is a writer's medium. So it's, it's kind of like, you know... Mm. Different horses for different courses, I guess. And how did Cadiz reflect your own experience? I know I've learnt now that it wasn't your own kind of original idea, but how did it reflect your experiences as someone in their 20s and 30s in Cardiff? Yeah, you obviously kind of brought um, a lot of yourself to it and a lot of mm. those experiences, you know. Um, but like I say, uh, I, I took a step back and then it was taken over by another fantastic writer called Roger, Roger Williams. Roger's been on the podcast, he's brilliant. Oh, I see. Great, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Roger's just incredible. He's like a machine, man. He, he could write he's amazing. dreams and dreams. He's immense. Yeah, absolutely immense. Um, so, Roger kind of took over Khadiv. Right. And, and Roger had um, a more specific kind of idea and a more specific theme he wanted to explore okay you know which was which was about um what it's like to be a gay man in wheels you know so, mm. so he kind of brought a lot of that into it whereas um i didn't really you know and um that, that that's fine and if we talk about Welsh language tv more generally mm. how, do you think it has to do more to appeal to a younger audiences um, this is this is a really strange question, isn't it? Because mm. my understanding, young people don't really watch TV anymore. You know, they can watch um, yeah. um, YouTube videos and um, other stuff is available to them. You know, like we kind of coming back to what I talked about the, the ecosystem when I was young. It's it's completely changed. You know. Um, I come from a, a generation where there were only three channels, you know, mm. um, and now there are what, uh, 103, you know, the, the, the whole um, system of television has changed, of, of, of screen um, mm. writing and availability of different series as writing um, has changed, you know. So do we need to appeal to younger viewers? Um, it's a tough question, really. I mean, Espadarek is is um, quite niche anyway, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because given that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's got a tough job to fulfil, isn't it? Because it's um, it has to be all things to everybody. Yeah. You know, because it's a national broadcaster. Um, you know, there, there are certain... Um, ideas i'm sure that they could kind of adopt um possibly something more on on their digital lines that they could try i think what hans you're doing is quite interesting in terms yeah yeah hans of, is fantastic yeah um but i think it would be interesting for them to look at scripted content a bit more what can they do in terms of series with maybe 10 minute episodes or, or something yeah absolutely yeah i mean you know when um, there's a fantastic series that I always remember, which is called Lonely Girl 15, right. you know, which you should maybe check out. I will it's, do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not sure if it's available still online, but this goes back to like the earliest days of the internet, and, and um, it was really, really short episodes. Some episodes were like one minute long, some episodes were like 30 seconds long. Right. Um, but it... I think they produced like a hundred different episodes, you know, and it, and it had an overarching storyline. 
Just about remember me, but just about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the precursor to YouTube, you know. Yeah. But it would be really interesting. And, you know, at the time, it was difficult to see how they could monetize uh, mm. content. So a lot of people were just making it for free um, or for, um, you know, university sort of credits, you know. But now people could like sell advertising or stuff like that in order to monetize it. And it's a way for people to make this stuff without needing a commission, without needing to get in touch with these production companies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it is another exciting frontier. It is like the Wild West out there, you know. Um, mm. There's a lot of shit out there, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, don't know if I can swear, but I've already had. There's a lot of uh, bad content out there. Um, but some stuff is really good. Mm. It's a bit like the podcasting game. You know, I was I was about to draw that comparison. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, with with relatively cheap equipment and a decent microphone, anyone can make a podcast, and it's the same with the YouTube content. And yeah, yeah. If, if anybody can make anything, you know. But as you know, it has to be good. You know, um, yeah. the, 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 There has to be a certain amount of quality control. Um, there's a fantastic series called We're Alive, which is a podcast yes. series. Yeah, which is, which is like, um, yeah, 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 which is like, you know, this apocalyptic uh, zombie kind of thing. There's another one called Leviathan, which is a science fiction mm. podcast. All, all these are crowdfunded. Right. You know, so, so there is that model out there. It's in existence. It's just whether or not the stuff that you create is, is worth listening to, you know? That's a, that's a very good point. I'm going to move on slightly. Yeah, yeah, sure, um, sorry. No, don't apologize. So, I'm interested to know about the year you spent studying filmmaking in New York, mm-hmm. um, which was you left education and then went back, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, was the approach to it different than you'd experienced in the UK? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The New York Film Academy kind of taught me um, that anything can be taught. You know, what's, what's great about um, the American system is that um, it demystifies everything. Yeah, um, It becomes a skill and a craft rather than um, the more mystical calling that maybe we have here, you know? Mm. Um, it, it, yeah, like I said, it just demystified um, the creation of art for me. You know, it was like, right, this this is the, the business end. This is a camera, point it there, and this is what a shot should look like. You know, yeah, because um, yeah, I, I already knew what a script should look like and what content I wanted to make. It's like, well, how do I make it now, really? Uh, and the thing of being in New York, what was that like? What? Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, New York is an incredible city. It, it is one of the best cities on the planet, isn't it? You know, everybody mm. wants to be in New York at some point. Um, but yeah, you kind of feed on that energy as well. You know, I yeah. think in the, in the 12 months I was there, I worked on um, probably 36 short films, you know. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it that was just an incredible experience. I mean, the, weirdly, I didn't actually get off Manhattan. Right. Um, the, the few times I got off Manhattan, which is, um, I went to Brooklyn um, to film something. I went to Staten Island to film mm-hmm. something. You know, there, there wasn't much time for 
anything else. You know, it was like boom, boom. It was just like this solid roller coaster of, of just just work, work, work. Very like harking back to Aberystwyth days, I guess. Was it more fun than that? Did you feel like? Do you know? Yeah. What I mean? I, I, the difference was I was paying for it as well. Right. You know, um, I was paying for it. I'd, I'd taken out a massive loan <laughs> so I could go do it. Um, so I kind of made sure that I went to every single class and that I kind of rung, rung it out dry, if you want, you know? Yeah, and making the most of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And just making the most of that experience. Yes. Being in that city. And actually working with... Um, Lots of people from diverse backgrounds, you know, the, um, Russians, um, Americans, Mexicans, um, Brazilians, Spanish, mm. German. It was, it was just incredible, you know. Just, it, um, it was a proper international melting pot. <laughs> and that, I guess, informed your practice going forward. <laughs> yes, it did, yeah. Especially when I came home and then became an educator myself. Yeah, you know, I, I I took a lot of the ethos of um, NIFA and then kind of brought it into my own teaching. You know, like I said, kind of demystified the the um, and just taught processes. You know, it's like mm. this is what you have to do in order to get this idea out. Which kind of leads into a question I've got for them. Yeah. So, like, you're a senior lecturer in script writing at the University of South Wales. Mm. Do you believe that script writing can be taught? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty obvious question, but well, but it's different. I think to people, you can't teach creativity. Can, um, no, you can't. No, no, that, that, that's different. You know, um, um, like I said, I can teach you process. You know. Um, I can teach you how to kind of milk your ideas and how to go from the fuzziness of, of oh, I got this idea, I got this play about a yeah. bird. Well, just kind of, you know, how do you get from that focus to a first draft? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's about story, 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 and how do you kind of like... There, there are little tricks on how you develop stories and what um, mm-hmm. the obstacles that you throw in the way of your characters and stuff like that. You know, so, so yeah, I can teach different tricks on how to on how to write but you as as a creative individual are, are um have to come to the table with something mm. you know um i still get students um who come to me and say well i don't know what I'm, i don't know what to do i haven't got anything it's like well mate what do you expect me mm. to do you know if you if you don't come to the table with an idea i can't help you you know i can't Shape egg, yeah. I? Yeah. I, I guess it's that one step up from dramaturgy. Like the writer has to present an idea to you, and then it's a relationship thing, really. You're not kind of dictating or teaching necessarily the writer how to write. No, it, no, it's no, a collaborative no. thing of working together on this idea. Yeah, it, it, it's not about. Um, write this is it you know um it it is a very collaborative process and you know i i i know it sounds um smushy but i am really quite honored but the the people kind of give this trust to me you know they kind of present their ideas to me and go is it okay (laughs) you know and you go well yes it was okay there's there's little nuggets there that have you tried this have you thought about this Mm. have you thought about this you know what if he had a cat (laughs) you know and you kind of like throw these different questions at at, um at the students Mm. and it's it's wonderful when those sparks then kind of fly off and they go oh my god yeah 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 what if he did have a cat you know and and that takes them down something um, a completely different avenue that they hadn't thought about and Bands the story a mm. bit more. Um, I mean, that, that's what our jobs are really as lecturers, is essentially, as you said, dramaturgs or editors, you know, mm. and, um, and definitely not to impose our own ideas on other people's cr- 
creativity because that's not what it works, is it? Is, is it, it like, sometimes difficult to hold back from that? Um, no, not really. I mean, it, it, it's you, you get the odd lazy person, obviously, you know, yeah. who just kind of goes, what do I do? And so, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And then when I get those types of people, I just generally throw like 50, 60 different ideas at them right. and... <laughs> hopefully you know, one will come good. It's... And hopefully one will come good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's it's not it's you know what I want to make clear is it's not my idea. You know, it always kind of comes mm. out of the story that they present. You know, and essentially what I find is that people don't know how to progress their story to the next stage. That's why I kind of go. Well, have you thought of doing this? Have you thought of doing that? Mm. You know, just giving them different options that they can um, that they can think about. And you're to add in stuff to that toolkit that they can use when they yeah, graduate. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely, yeah. So, um, I want to talk about this motion capture thing that you've been doing. All right. Um, um, so, for the AAA video game, Little Hope. So, what was, yeah. that, what was that like? Um... Yeah, so I got a part in a video game called Little Hope um, that was produced by a company called Supermassive Games. Right. I, love that. I just love that name. <laughs> <laughs> Not just really good, they're Supermassive Games. Um, I, you know, because I'm an actor as well, I still haven't given up the acting. I've got an agent as well, so they just okay. rang me and said, would you be interested in um, in auditioning for this? And I said, well, yeah, obviously, because it's something I've never done before. Mm. Um, so I sent off my audition tape, and I got a recall. Um, and I went up to London to do a recall audition with the casting agent and uh, the games developers. They were there. And yeah, I was I was really lucky. I got I got I got the part, you know. What did they get you to do in that audition? Because you, as you've explained to me before, you were just like the physical yeah. manifestation of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always joke that yeah. they wanted me for my body. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's all I had to do. It was it was um, a really interesting audition process actually, um, because they um, I I just walked in and they said, "Great, can you walk across the room, please." <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So I just walked across the room and they said, good, now um, walk across again, but this time you're being chased by something. So, right. you know, and it's like, how do you put that physical performance? How do you um, generate fear, I guess, physically rather than just mm. in your face? And um, what was lovely was that Jess, the um, the casting director, you know, when we were talking after we got the job, she said, well, no, um, you'd be surprised how many people can't move, right. you know, who are self-conscious and um, kind of, you know, and just can't move, she said. Um, but obviously I could, so that was great. I mean, what, what an experience, though. It was fantastic. I was really, again, really, really lucky because I um, approached my... Um, my my line manager and said, "Look, I've been offered this gig." Yeah. Um, and he went, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well," he said, "Can you build your teaching around it?" I said, "Well, yeah, obviously, because you know, I'll I'll teach for um, this part, and then I'll go off for a week, and then I'll come back and I'll teach." Yeah. You know, so so that's what I did for a year. I kind of built my teaching around disappearing um, up to London to uh, participate in this amazing project where I got to fight demons <laughs> and got pulled through doorways, got squished, got ripped apart by demons, yeah. was a demon um, at one point. Um, so you, know, you played multiple characters, did you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't only the character I was cast for. I actually got to play... Um, um, I got to play... Like the, the character I played was called John. I think I can talk about it now because it's on general release. But the character okay. I played was called John. Um, but um, the the game runs across three different timelines. So I played that character's manifestation in the past, and then that character's manifestation in the, in hi historical times. You know, so I kind of um, 
and not only those three characters, but then I got to play different um, cast members as well. You know, there are characters in in um, what eighteenth century America that um, I wasn't cast for, but because I was there, you know, they they allowed you to kind yeah. of play all of those because there, there was like a troupe of five actors, right. really, and. Um, we all got to kind of pretend to be each other at times, and you know, I got I got to play a, a witch finder general, and then I got to play a, a bus driver, a cop. You know, um, it, was, it was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And it, it is essentially what what you do is you put on this digital costume, yeah, you know, or digital makeup if you want, you know, and you just become somebody completely different. Do you, do you have the freedom to like experiment and try things out and improv? Of, or was it quite regimented in what they wanted you no, to No, 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 it was, it was um, oops, sorry, that's my thingy going off again. Um, no, no, it, it, it was, it was very, very improvisational, um, more so than, than, than film acting or, or theatre acting, you know, it, right. it was, yeah, they'd literally go, right, this is the scene. Um, and then they'd play you the scene, and then you'd have to improvise. You'd have to just kind of um, have an argument with your wife, for example. Yeah. You know. Um, um, then the next one would be, you know, right? There's there's this really ugly demon crawling towards you. What do you do? And it's, it's like, far run. <laughs> um, it it was honestly, it was the most fun I've had. It was just fantastic. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I've auditioned for a couple and not got them, but you know that that's the business, isn't it? Um, yeah. I just count myself to be really fortunate to have had that that experience, really. Fantastic to hear a bit more about it because you were talking about it when when we were in union. It sounded like a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you should play it. You should definitely. I play will. It. I'm gonna. It's really creepy it. and scary. <laughs> You've got to play it with the lights off and with your head <laughs> So, um, the last thing I'm going to ask you is what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in the industry, especially considering where we are now in terms of COVID? Um, the, the advice I, hasn't changed, to be honest, you know, from, from when um, I taught you all those years right. ago, you know, it, it, and, and it's always about doing, you know, you always have to make stuff, yeah? Um, that's what I believe in, absolutely 100%, is if you, there's no point sitting back in uh, your garret and thinking, oh God, I'm this great undiscovered artist. Mm. You have to make stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Like you, I take my hat off to you making this podcast. This is wonderful, <laughs> it's a great project, you know? Um, make short films. Um, make plays just do play readings um yeah. you know the, this time of covid for example um you could do zoom readings because i know um sherman have done um uh, dirty protest have done readings yeah. they do a whole series called the far away plays you know which, yes. which are zoom recordings incredible stuff that they um that they produce so there's um yeah there's no reason really why you shouldn't be making stuff you know, um, the big leap then is who do you show it to, mm. you know, and what do you do after you've showed it to somebody and they tell you it's shit, you know, it, it's like, that's the big one, you know, it, it, it's like, um, if somebody tells you that it's bad, what do you do? You've got to kind of just take it on the chin and kind of go, okay, that's an interesting uh, reaction to it. How do I make the next one better? You know, well, like I said uh, earlier. Failure is a great teacher, isn't it? Definitely. I've definitely experienced that. And if you can know in yourself why it's bad, then you're less likely to make those mistakes next time. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you, you do get um, conflicting feedback sometimes, which is really annoying. Yes. And then, and then you know, uh, but sometimes, you know, you get consistent feedback, you know. It's like, well, why does this character have a cat you know it's like okay <laughs> then I'll take the cat out you know there's, there's cat theme running through this you've it's got like, to save the cat Sips. <laughs> save the cat that's where it's coming from <laughs> it's 
something in the theatre but obviously we couldn't get into yeah. the building and be in physical proximity to each other so we made audio plays instead right you know um, we used um, audition as a recording software we used this thing called clean feeds which is fantastic as well um, to record dialogue and then put it all together and edited it and you know it, it sounded Great, sounded fine. And that's like adapting to circumstances which you would have had to do anyway, regardless of whether there was a pandemic or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the, a lot of our students this year have had to make short films um, on their own, essentially. Right. You know? And honestly, man, some of the creativity and, and some of the creative solutions that these kids have come up with is it, just mind-blowing and again humbling you know just to see mm. you know um there's one film that really sparks in my mind that um the the filmmaker said well what i'm going to do is i'm going to make this um i don't know a, a digital quilt if you want of all these different faces just talking about 2020 as a lost oh, year wow. and it, it's incredible it's, wow. it's wonderful. Mm. well thank you Steve. it's been fab Talking to you. Thanks for coming out. Oh, you're coming out, and thanks for having me. It's been brilliant. And I will catch you on the next episode of In Lockdown With. I'm not sure who my guest will be yet, but thank you very much for listening. Please uh, share on social media. Um, but until then, it's bye for me. It's the bye from Steve's. Bye. Ta-da, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.